What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, and today one of the original founding members of the Locked On Chargers podcast, John Kegley, is on with us today. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, who are doing a special right now where you can save 50% off of your order at BuiltBar.com, and all of that money will be donated to charity. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons. We also do our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season, and this is our third season as the hosts of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, sorry about the absence of a show yesterday. I spent the weekend recording a very fun project with the rest of the AFC West that will be dropping in the middle of July, so we should be excited about that. But we are back with you guys today and tomorrow as well as Friday, and we have a lot to get into today because we're going to be starting with the news that the NFL has come up with a plan on how they are going to test players once they get back to the facilities and once they get back with the team. So we'll start there and talk about guys like Zeke, contracting the coronavirus and some other Houston Texans and Dallas Cowboys. And then we're going to get into Adam Rank's prediction of the Chargers season, which is not good at all. Before getting into some fan voicemails in the second segment, covering what Tyrod Taylor will have to do in 2020 to keep his job in 2021 and many more questions. Before ending the show with an article by ESPN about the Chargers secondary having a lot of big names, but having to put some production with those names during the season as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. On Monday, we found out the NFL's plan on testing players once they return to their teams, and one NFL analyst predicts a disastrous season for the Los Angeles Chargers. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. NFLPA medical director Tom Mayer shared the plan to test players once they return to their teams for the coronavirus, and the plan is to test all players and coaches, presumably, when they get back with their teams, and then three times per week after that. He said there's a 90% chance that reliable saliva testing will be available when players return to the facilities, and a player who tests positive will be quarantined. I think this is important because this is the next step in the direction of getting players back on the field. The NFLPA and the NFL will have to come to a compromise as far as getting these players back on the field and making sure they're going back to a safe work environment and David I think we've already seen throughout the league that there are some star players that will eventually more than likely get the coronavirus yeah I think there's no better example than a guy we learned about here just recently which is the star running back of the Dallas Cowboys Ezekiel Elliott it came out by his agent uh, that he had tested positive for the coronavirus they did mention that he's doing well But, you know, this is going to happen a lot more as players continue to get back into the buildings and they get tested potentially for the first time. You're going to see more and more positive tests. But the NFL and the NFLPA are still going to have to figure out all the logistics on how they're going to to make this happen. During the regular season, they're going to need a minimum of 2,640 tests for a 16-game season. And, you know, that is something that's just for the players, not even for all the personnel and all of the people that are around the team. You'd have to think, Daniel, that there's a good possibility that sidelines that are normally crowded are going to be a lot slimmer next season. You would have to think so. And there was an article of Bruce Arians' comments talking about how teams might have to quarantine their third-string quarterback just to keep him away, away from the rest of those guys so that you're never having 
both of your quarterbacks potentially testing positive at the same time and not having a guy to put out there. And the other part of this that comes with all of these tests is the amount of money that it's going to cost. And the reports are that it's billions of dollars that is going to have to be spent on testing, which is a major hit for the NFL because as far as revenues go, they are way down and they cannot expect any fans in attendance to try to boost those numbers. But another thing that happened in Chargers news this week was NFL analyst Adam Rank predicting what the Chargers will be able to do in 2020. And he had a very disastrous look on things when he said the Chargers would go 3-13. and And part of the reasoning of this was he thinks that the Chargers are really taking a risk going into the season with Tyrod Taylor. He's had his opportunities in the NFL before and has been unable to take advantage of them. And also saying that Justin Herbert looked good in the Senior Bowl, played well in the Pac-12 championship game, but struggled against quality competition in college. So David, we've seen sites like Pro Football Focus say the Chargers are predicted to have the number one pick in the 2021 draft, but we haven't seen many experts actually put their name on a season this bad for the Chargers. No, they have not, but I think it's really funny how all of these NFL analysts, including Adam Rink, are only focusing on the quarterback position. It seems like every other skill position player or any every other player on this Chargers roster is just evaporated from their memory. I mean, they have talent up and down the roster on both sides. They have all the makings to be a top three defense in the NFL. I think it's laughable to consider the Chargers' possibility to end the season at 3-13. and There is way too much talent on that side of the ball alone. And when you switch things over to the offensive side, there is no shortage of weapons there either. I think it's crazy. But also, you have to remember, this is the same NFL analyst that had the 49ers going 3-13 and last year. And of course... They were the NFC's representative in the Super Bowl. Exactly. And I think you can just see things change so quickly in the NFL. Teams going from last to first. It's funny to see how analysts are treating the Chargers differently after being so negative about the Chargers with Phillip Rivers and saying he turns the ball over too much to win games. And now you get a more careful quarterback, a more conservative quarterback. It's still surrounded by the same loaded roster and expectations go down the drain. So I'm not expecting the Chargers to be a juggernaut in the NFL this season, but I do not think that playoffs are out of the picture. And I think three wins or less for this team without an absolute disastrous slate of injuries is almost impossible. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to get into some fan voicemails about Tyrod Taylor and why the media are so low on him, as well as what the Chargers new stadium deal means for them as far as their future in Los Angeles and much more. But I need to tell you guys first about the best protein bar in the planet. And of course, I am talking about Built Bars. They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and they have 20 amazing flavors to choose from and they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They're made for anybody who's trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And all the bars are low calorie, low sugar, and high in protein and fiber. Right now, they're actually doing a really cool promotion. Usually can save $10 off, but right now you can save 50% off your order at BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word. And the cool thing about it is your money is that 100% of the profits will be donated to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. There's not much of a better cause you can contribute to while also getting some delicious protein bars. That's promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com. 
right, guys. Well, it's time to get into some fan voicemails. I want to thank everybody for calling into the show. You guys have been much better about getting us some voicemails. We have one that we're even not able to get into today and a few from Zach. And we're still catching up on the Zach voicemails. But I think we have a lot of good questions to get into today. If you haven't called in or you want to call in, the number for the line is 323-524-7924. And every Chargers voicemail gets played on the show. So today we're going to start with... A first-time caller, this is Giancarlo from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, guys, this is Giancarlo from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, first-time caller. My question is, how good does Tyrod Taylor have to be next year to keep his job heading into 2021? Or how bad does he have to be for Justin Herbert to come in this season? At what point do we take him out of the game? Anyways, guys, doing an amazing job. Bolt up. So, John, I think we have gotten other iterations, uh, other variations of this question. You know, how good does Tyrod Taylor have to play? And, you know, how good are we expecting him to play? But I think this does bring up an interesting point. And I also think it's kind of a two-edged, I think it's also a double-edged sword in some ways. But in a vacuum, what do you think Tyrod Taylor has to do? What are the results he needs to get to for this thing, for him to be considered as a starting option for the Chargers in 2021? David, what do you think Tyrod Taylor would have to do? Yeah, I think Tyrod Taylor would have to have a spectacular season, obviously, uh, for him to get another look to be the starting quarterback for the Chargers in 2021. I, I'm thinking a 12-4 and record with uh, at least an AFC championship appearance. But uh, like John said, I, I don't see that it is probably going to happen for him. I think there there's really not much that he can do just because of how their quarterback room is set up currently. I mean, it, it really lends itself – for Justin Herbert to really come in next year and be the guy moving forward, especially with all of the other players the Chargers are going to have to pay big, big money to. Well, yeah, and it might be a Brian Tannehill-esque kind of a deal if he actually makes a deep run, which was four years, $118 million. And if you're thinking about giving that out, I mean, what does that say about Justin Herbert at that point? When would he realistically get on the field at that point? So I think it's one of those things where if he doesn't play well, you could see Justin Herbert. I think it would have to be a disaster start, kind of like David mentioned there. But at the same time, are you going to be risking putting him into early? And at the same time, even if you wanted to re-sign Tyrod Taylor, what does that mean for the future of that position for this team? So I want to get into another Tyrod Taylor and stay in this same vein for a moment Getting into the next voicemail, this one is from Superfan Zach in Florida. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, guys. Zach in Florida. So first off, I hope all my calling is not getting annoying. I just like talking to you guys about various topics and all that. Um, But I had a question about Tyrod Taylor, period. Outside of the team, nobody is putting any faith or trust in him, period. Why do you think that is? Now, he's not as big of a name as Rivers, but he doesn't turn the ball over, and he is mobile. So just wanted to get your thoughts on why he is not getting the respect he deserves or even the trust outside of this team. Talk to you later, guys, and bolt up. 
Well, Zach, your calls are not getting annoying. We try not to have any one voicemail caller on more than once in any voicemail segment. That's the reason we haven't gotten to some of your other ones, but always appreciate the calls. Keep them coming, definitely. But getting to what you have to say, I don't necessarily understand why the media is treating this the way that they are. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is conservative. He's not going to turn the ball over. Most importantly, John, he's not going to lose you games. And I think we've seen the Chargers lose games because not forcing turnovers and not, you know, being careful enough with the football themselves. And we'll talk about a lot of that in the next segment as far as the Chargers needing to force more turnovers. But as far as Tyrod Taylor, I understand that he's not the same name as Philip Rivers, but a lot of the but a lot of the time, John, these are the same analysts that are saying for the Chargers to move on from Phillip Rivers, saying you can't win games when you're turning the ball over this much. And now they get a mobile guy who can move around, which is another big slight against Phillip Rivers, and a guy who doesn't turn the ball over, and everyone thinks it's going to be a disaster. Personally, I don't think there is nothing he could do. Even if he wins the Super Bowl, I don't think there's anything he could do to be the starting quarterback on this team next year when you think about talent that we might lose due to free agency. This team could go into full rebuilding mode as far as just getting younger and younger talent. Next year is probably going to be Herbert's year. Keenan Allen might be gone because of contract situations. So Tyrod might benefit this year. Let's say Tyrod wins the Super Bowl. It might be because he benefited off of a lot of talent on this team. But if you lose all of that talent, Tyrod probably is not going to do the same thing again. So I don't think the Chargers, knowing the Chargers, would take that risk again. I think they'd want to move to Herbert right away and start getting younger wide receivers. Like, they already have two young receivers they just drafted. They got Mike Williams. If they could somehow keep Hunter Henry, they can keep like one of those, Joey Bosa or Melvin Ingram, to keep the defense going. It's a rough situation, so I doubt Tyrod Taylor is going to be worth a contract for them if he has success, and if he fails, he's obviously gone. When it comes to Justin Herbert, though, I feel like the only way you'd probably see him is if Tyrod Taylor starts the season off like one and four, one and five. I think they quickly moved to Herbert to keep season ticket holders coming to the game in a new stadium. But that's what that's what it is, though. It's a what have you done for me lately type of league. And the last time we saw Tyrod Taylor as a starting quarterback, he had thrown two touchdowns and two interceptions and only 473 yards. I mean, he didn't do anything spectacular. So that's the unfortunate truth, although I do believe – with the weapons that the Chargers have at their disposal, Daniel, that this could be a completely different-looking Tyrod Taylor. It could. And, I mean, Tyrod Taylor, I know that's an argument that gets used a lot. And, obviously, he had guys like Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy and even, like, C.J. Spiller for a little bit and some other weapons. But I do think that that is all a rank below what the Chargers have right now as far as weapons. And sometimes, you know, for certain teams, you don't necessarily need a guy who's going to lead the league in passing yards. And you don't necessarily need a guy that is going to, you know, go and win you every game. Sometimes you just need a guy that is not going to give the game away. And that's what the Chargers are obviously banking on. But Tyra Taylor is just also not a very exciting quarterback. He doesn't have a lot of explosive plays. I think he, you know, is similar to Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith had some very good seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think there was a cap on those seasons because of Alex Smith to some extent. But at the same time, just because you have a conservative quarterback that's not going to make splashy plays does not mean that you're not going to be able to win games. And I think that's the most common thing out there that's kind of a false narrative as far as that is concerned. But we do have more voicemails to get into. So let's get into the next one. Let's hear what Matt from Huntington Beach has for us. Hey, guys. This is Matt in Huntington Beach. Uh, sorry, I think my voicemail was the one from last weekend that uh, you weren't able to understand. 
anyway, so my question was, um, relative to the expectations that we have for them, who are you worried is going to be the biggest free agent bust for us this year? Um, I love what we've done in free agency, but um, we're Charger fans. We know better than uh, to expect the best, right? Um, we all thought Thomas Davis was going to come in last year and solidify the linebacking core and Travis Benjamin and uh, these types of, of signings. So um, who are you guys worried is going to be the biggest bust uh, or has the biggest bust factor out of all the guys that we've signed so far? So uh, thanks. Love what you guys are doing. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks. So no problem, Matt, as far as the other call that got disconnected. I appreciate you calling back in to get your call on the show. I think it's a very good question. Who is the biggest bust out of this year's free agent class? So a lot of times with the Chargers, you're going to have some free agents that hit. You're going to have some free agents that miss, like the ones you mentioned, Travis Benjamin, Thomas Davis, even going back to guys like Derek Cox, even Brandon Meebane. I think it worked for a little bit, but re-signing him was obviously not a great choice. Resigning Denzel Perriman didn't lead to a lot of results on the field last year. So I think it's a very fair question. So David, if you're trying to figure out who the biggest bust is, obviously we don't know that any of them will be, but if you had to take a guess, who would you go with? So when I think about the free agency moves that the Chargers made this offseason, I think the guy who has the biggest potential to be a bust is unfortunately Linval Joseph. Uh, I think when you have defensive tackles that are over the age of 30 you really just can't bank on what type of production they are going to bring in I know that there's not going to be a lot that he's going to have to do to be better than Brandon Meebane the danger is there to see a really steep decline hopefully that's not what we see but I think that definitely the potential is there when you're picking from guys that you know have been really productive and it would be easy to go with you know Darius Jennings (laughs) you know what I mean that guy might not make the team or Nick Vigil, who we might not see on the field with the main defense very often. But if we're talking about the high-key guys, I think that my pick would honestly be Brian Bulaga, who is undoubtedly the best right tackle the Chargers have had in 10 years before he even plays a snap for them. And I think it just comes down to one thing, and that's injuries. He's had a lot of injuries in his career, and unfortunately, you live in the reality where it only takes one of those things to be bad, and then for him to not be able to live up to his contract because he's not able to stay on the field. So I guess that would be my biggest concern, even though that probably is the favorite of the guys they brought in, in my opinion. John, do you have anybody you would throw in on this list? No, I would go with Linval Joseph as well, but mostly because I think there's too much hype around him to be right. the guy right now for the Chargers mm-hmm. defensive line. Everyone's excited to think we have a defensive line player that's going to be explosive now, but he's nothing that special. He's just got a lot of size. He's better than what we've had over the years, but it's basically like saying, hey, we, we have Tyrod Taylor right now, but if we had Cam Newton, imagine what we could do. Like, It's not that big of a difference right there. It's a guy that's had some good years, some good numbers, but what has he really done lately? Linval Joseph probably benefited most from the guys he played around in the Vikings, which is probably why we were able to get him so easily. I, don't, I just don't feel like he's deserving of all the hype, really. And they might, the expectations might be too high, but I guess when the bar is set as low as it is for the Chargers, especially on the interior of the defensive line, that's to be expected, right? And I mean, like I've said before, compared to Brandon Meebane, Linval Joseph is a pass rush specialist, but I think in a perfect world, he's heavily rotated and you have another guy, whether it's Jerry Tillery or Justin Jones, step in to be the other presence in the interior of that line, the other pocket pusher, so to speak, to really help that out. 
So, David, I know we had a one voicemail caller that was not able to call in, so he sent us a message on the me- in the DMs of Twitter. So, what was that question? Who was it from? And also, what is the answer to that question? All right, yeah. So, we had a question come in to the DMs, like you mentioned, from Leroy. His question was, can you go into details about the 20-year lease at the new stadium? Uh, and yes, I can definitely go into details about that. So basically, it is a, an initial 20-year lease, $1 a year, obviously, for 20 years. Uh, and it's pretty ironclad because the Rams went into this with the with the anticipation of two teams being played at that stadium, and they marketed that to their advertisers. But that also included in the lease two 10-year options that the Chargers could exercise that could potentially turn this 20-year lease into a 40-year lease. So I think what that means is basically they are stuck there for the time being. And I mean, things obviously might be a little bit different for the Chargers, but this is where the Chargers are going to play. They obviously don't have as much financially invested into the stadium itself, but at the same time, If they want that stadium for the next 40 years, potentially, they can have it there. But we do have one more segment to get into. We got to talk about this article about the secondary not only having big players, but being able to produce in 2020 coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that we have all spent way too much money on auto parts over the years. I mean, there's so many parts that I've had to buy for my car and different cars throughout the years. And you're never really sure if you're getting the best price. But I can fix that because I have the best place to go for any kind of auto parts, and that's rockauto.com with the ever-increasing number of makes and models it is now possible to stock all of the car it's impossible to stock all of the car parts you need in a traditional chain storefront why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning by the people working there and wait for the counterman to order the parts when you can go to one place in rockauto.com that is going to need all of the car all of the parts that you need from brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic daily driver Get anything that you need in a few easy clicks to deliver directly to your door. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and then make sure to write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, so there was an article I saw over the weekend that I definitely wanted to get into. It actually dropped today as we're recording this on Monday night. But it was done by Lindsay Theory, who covers the Rams and the Chargers for ESPN right now, because our beloved Eric Williams is no longer covering the Chargers. But I think she brought up a very good point in an article talking about the Chargers having a star-studded secondary, but needing that to turn into results, which is something that we've talked about countless times over the last few years because they have so many playmakers especially now adding Chris Harris Jr. potentially getting Nazir Adderley on the field there's so many things going right for them John but at the same time it has to turn into production and that's what Derwin James was saying when he said I feel like it's all just on paper it looks good but we have to go out there and perform Chris Harris Jr. also echoed that saying we've got a lot of guys who have a lot of talent But now they just have to put in the work. And we can hear all these things, John, about how good this Chargers secondary is. But that's going to have to turn into good coverage, which last year the Chargers in that frustrating defense gave up a completion percentage to opposing quarterbacks over 70%, which was worst in the entire NFL. So, John, now they actually have to make it happen. Well, it also needs to come from coaching staff having the right game plan as well because it's hard to cover people when you're stuck in a zone 
and the players are five yards away from you and your instruction is to stay away from them in your zone. So it's got to be a more aggressive play calling as well, but they do need to perform. They do need to do their assignment and not get beat. But it's also a chemistry thing as well. It's how well are these guys going to know each other with this COVID-19, no training camp really right now. They're missing out on so much time on the field that the chemistry is really going to lack. Are you going to be able to trust that your guys over the top, are you going to be able to trust that you got a guy protecting you inside? And then are you going to really be able to trust yourself with a new position? If you're Desmond King and you've been playing the, in the nickel all this time, playing all these all these other positions are just sitting there looking at you. If you're sitting there playing one position, they're like, hey, we want you to be safety. You're like, okay, I didn't have any practice at this lately. Uh, can I do this? I mean, I could walk around saying I'm good at it. I'm ready. I'm, I can knock this out. But are you really ready? Do you really know what's going on? Do you really know the chemistry or your your assignment? Without all this playing around on the field, the chemistry and the confidence is really going to lack, regardless of whether you think you can cover or not. It's your assignment that really matters. When Gus Bradley spoke on that, and he said, that's the part I think I'm missing the most, the most about OTAs is just seeing how do we match up. Do we have the flexibility to move some guys around? Where can we put them? And that's part I think is a little frustrating right now. But until we're doing everything in the classroom, that's where we're challenging them now to see if they can pick it up mentally. But we're proceeding like we can move guys around. And that's one of the things I talked to you guys about before the show is we can talk about versatility all we want and guys playing different positions and moving you know Desmond King to that position that Adrian Phillips filled before and just expecting him to play very well there. We still have to see it in action. The same thing goes with you know potentially a guy like Nazir Adderley or Desmond King playing on the outside. Like We can think that they can play there, but they're still going to have to show that they're not only comfortable with the concepts, but also able to go and compete at the highest level of football. So I, I think that's a huge point there. And the other thing, David, is going to be forcing turnovers because when you have a secondary as talented as this and you're you know letting other teams complete 70% of your passes, that's not a very good recipe to create turnovers and the chargers were one of the worst teams in the nfl at taking the ball away last season well and you know anthony lynn has a special way of really saying things as blunt as possible and he says you're not going to win games like that that's pretty simple and he's just talking about how the fact that the chargers were last in the league with only 14 takeaways i've said it many times before on the show but every time I say it out loud, it really hurts uh, because it's just so despicable. Only 11 picks, and they only forced a league low six fumbles, of which they only recovered three of them, which was dead last in the league. Flat out, they absolutely were terrible at taking the ball away, and that has to change. If you want to win football games in this league, you got to give your offense more opportunities, more short fields to be able to work with. The Chargers did not do a good job of it last year. They absolutely need to figure out a way of getting the ball in their hands more often. It just has to happen. And we've seen it hurt the Chargers so many times in the past. Last year, part of the reason their turnover margin was so bad was not only they were taking the ball away the least out of anyone in the NFL, but they were also giving the ball away almost as much as everyone almost as much as anyone in the NFL. So all of those things have to change. And like we've talked about before, I mean, you can have as many talented defensive players in that secondary as you want, but if you're not getting pressure on quarterbacks, that is going to kill you still. Because how many times, John, have we seen rookie quarterbacks come against the Chargers, have 15 for 20 games for 
175 to 225 yards and still be in the game because you're not turning them over. You're letting them convert on third downs and you're just making life too easy for them. So I think that's a huge problem. And I think one of the things that has to be better, obviously, is the pass rush. The Bolts had a pass rush win rate of 45.4% last season, which ranked 11th in the NFL, which only turned into 30 sacks, which ranked 28th in the league. So that is a huge thing, John. The, the Charger secondary can be super talented, but if you're not forcing quarterbacks into bad decisions while also playing off the ball and not playing more man coverage, which we might see this year, it, it's still going to be hard to be you know near the top of the league in takeaways. Yes, with the pass rush being effective, it gets a quarterback shaky and can force a turnover, but sometimes turnovers aren't always the result of good pass rush. Sometimes just incomplete passes are but you mentioned earlier that the chargers last year gave up 70 percent pass completion percentage it's crazy which which is ridiculous that's I mean, so crazy when i saw that, that be, i was honestly sick that should be like two games out of the whole year just because you know you can't play perfect all the time but right. for a whole year like you, you could have all the pass rush you want but if you're not getting incomplete passes thrown out of bounds or throwing out the feet of somebody because they don't want to throw an interception. It doesn't matter. Like personally, I don't care if we get takeovers or not, as long as there's not completed passes. If I see 70% completion, that means we are failing at getting to the quarterback. Cause he's able to, if, even if he has pressure in his face, you win all these battles. If Joey Bosa is winning all these battles against offensive linemen, but not getting a sack, that means the quarterback's finding a way to get rid of that ball. And if he's finding a way to get rid of that ball to someone's hands and get a completion for 70% completion percentage, that means he would, he probably didn't have much pressure. You just won the bat, your own individual battle, but there wasn't no pressure. So pass rush is good and all, but it's really, are you actually getting pressure? Are you just winning your battles? Or are you actually in the quarterback's face and making him go, no, I got to dump this off, live to fight another day? It, that's really what it comes down to. But I, one thing you should, we're not mentioning here is, are these guys taking care of themselves? What if they do everything right? What if they find the position they're good at? They get chemistry with each other. They know all their assignments. They studied really hard. But in the end, were they taking care of themselves? And then week three, one of them goes down with an injury, and now we're missing a big piece of that stuff. Like, are these guys taking care of themselves during this pandemic, or are they just focused on Zoom meetings and playbooks and not getting their stretching and their workouts in? Well, I think that's a huge concern for every team, and especially a team as snake-bitten as the Chargers have been. And I think, you know, going into the season, a reality that a lot of people don't want to enter is just the fact that when you have guys taking this extended period off and then they come back, it's going to lead to a higher percentage of injuries. And you saw it with Joey Bosa. He holds out four weeks and then hurts his hamstring first thing. So I think that it's obviously going to affect the players. And I think that... You have to be ready for those things. But as far as pass rush goes, I mean, the Chargers on the outside are doing their job, right? But part of, you know, saying dump the ball off to the running back, when you dump the ball off to the running back, you have to have players that can come up and make teams not want to do that, right? I mean, if you're passing and dumping it off to the running back and you're getting six or seven yards out of it every time and leaving yourself in a third and three where the other team is completing 70% of their passes – you're in a very bad situation. That's very hard to stop. So I think Kenneth Murray helps out a little bit, having a guy that can get into the flat and force teams to not want to throw those dump off passes because Kenneth Murray is going to turn it into a five yard loss and having guys that can tackle in the open field. It all goes hand in hand, but 
you can get pressure right away, have it dumped off to James White 14 times in a divisional playoff game, and that pass rush doesn't really matter very much. But that is our time, and that is going to wrap things up for today's show. The good news is we'll be back with you guys tomorrow since we missed Monday's show, and then back again with you on Friday. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. If you subscribe to us, on Apple Podcasts, or give us a follow on Spotify and make sure to rate and review. We would really appreciate it. Another shout out to all of the callers who called in to make this voicemail show possible. If you guys want to get on the show, the number is 323-524-7924 and every Chargers voicemail gets played on the show. So make sure to tune back in tomorrow. We'll be back with you then. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.